0: Father, we, we just love we want to lift our hearts up to you, Father. We want to give you thanks for being our ultimate Father, the good Father, the perfect Father in whom we can be secure. Father, I pray that you speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. We are continuing with the series Men Up. And today we want to address fatherhood. In each one of you men, there is a father. Whether you are married or not at this point, okay, there is a father in each one of you. There was a father in Adam before he even had Eve, because he came from the father. Kay. Now, I believe that... Uh, we struggle with fatherhood in society. That's not only in Namibia or in Africa. It's all over the world. Fatherhood and parenthood is the biggest downfall of society all over the world. And unless we address fatherhood, nations will not rise up. I want to just read for us in Malachi, Now, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And I want to read the last verse in this last book of the Old Testament. which was just before the Jesus ministry started. Obviously, there was a gap of 400 years. But the Word of God stopped with this verse, and it started with Jesus. In Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now we know that John the Baptist was the prophet Elijah that was to come before Jesus and prepare the way for Jesus. Verse 6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. I do believe the earth is under a curse because of division in the family. Because fathers and children are separated. And I want to emphasize here, he says, fathers turning to their children and children to their fathers. It doesn't say mothers turning to their children. The father plays a very, very important role here and in the family general. And because fathers are not there, children going off the rail. They might have the best mother, yet they go off the rail. It's because of fatherlessness that children turn to the gun. And girls bring babies. Because there is no fatherhood there. Fatherhood is something a mother cannot make up with. A mother is meant to be a mother and cannot be a father. Now thank God God is still the ultimate Father. Even those that are single mothers, it's not the end. It's not hopeless because we still got the good Father. If you didn't have a father at home or you had a father and he was never at home always busy with stuff, there is hope because we are restored through Jesus to the Father and we can have a new beginning. He's our perfect model for fatherhood. But it requires a close relationship with him. And again, that's difficult if there was not a father giving direction and showing the children the way to the father. It's difficult, but it's possible. Now, when Jesus came, what was the first things he was saying? He was saying, repent for the kingdom of God has come or the kingdom of God it is near. Now what is the kingdom? Here was the mandate, restore fathers to children, and the other way. Here it comes with the kingdom. What is a kingdom? It's not a democracy. A kingdom is a, a form of government with a king, and with people that follow. F- family with a father, Children and wife following. A kingdom has its root in a healthy family setup. The father, if you will, is the king of the family, not the mother. Now, we don't call it like that. Spiritually, they are equal, but there are different roles. Woman is different from man, and man is different from woman. When we talk about gender equality, the world is missing it. They do want to make everything equal. It's impossible because God has created them different. And the father has the most important role as the father in the house because the father is the source. The father is where things come from. The father is where things are being sustained. Jesus came with that ministry to restore, to restore families, to restore men in the families, bring healthy relationships into the families. Now, the man or the father needs the help of the mother of the woman. Okay? Many times in this in these days, it's actually very difficult to have a healthy family because women and men, they have become so independent. Sometimes a woman earns more money than what the husband earns. They say, I don't need you anymore. I'm tired of you. I want to live my own life. I can do much better without you. <laughs> That's reality in these days. And it takes... Godly woman and godly man to maintain a healthy family relationship. Woman, the man needs your support to lift him up to be the man in the house. There are many young people, they don't know whether they are men or what they are. They don't have identity. Many young people are becoming homosexuals in these days. What do we do as a church? We condemn them. Where is the root Fatherlessness. They don't know who they are. They are confused. Woman needs to support man. You have to put the man up there and let him be the father in the family. I know that in our culture sometimes it's the other way around. The woman is taking the rein and she is hammering the poor man all the time. You are useless. Why do you... When are you coming up? When are you going to do something? When are you going to fix that? You know, there is constant pressure on the man at the end. The man says, I don't care anymore. I just walk out here. He might not walk out physically, but in his heart has made up his mind. This is just hopeless, you know. I cannot be the man in this house. Woman... You have to humble yourself and lift up the man to be the man in the house. Sometimes he might make decisions that are not the best. You might have discussed it back and forth and he had made a decision. Then tolerate that decision. Accept that decision to honor the man, to honor the father. You know, wrong decisions is not the end of life. They always can be Turn to the bitter again, but broken relationships, wrong relationships in the family, wrong authority structure in the family, destroys you continuously. I want to look this morning a little bit at Adam and Eve. And after that, I want to look a little bit at my own family. I want to go to Genesis 2. Let's start at verse 15. Now, this is after God has formed man. He took ground, soil, and formed man. That means man is the direct product of God the Father himself. Woman is not the direct product from God the Father. Man is he formed him out of dust and breathed life on him. He never again did that. And woman came. He didn't take another lump of ground and formed the woman. He took him, her out of man. Okay, so after man was formed, the woman was not there. Verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Now what is Eden? It was a place on earth. okay. Nobody knows exactly where it was and we cannot find out where it was. So I do suggest that Eden was a spiritual environment where man and God was completely one. Okay? They walked with one another. They had fellowship with one another. They knew one another. Adam knew the heart of God. God knew the heart of man. I want to tell the fathers today, that is the beginning of good fatherhood. Men don't leave the spiritual things up to the woman. It is not the wife's responsibility to teach the children the word of God. You cannot say, the woman is doing church better than me. Let's just, the woman do that. You are the representative of God to your family. You have to know the Word of God. You have to know God better than your wife knows Him. How do you get to know God better? You have to read the Word of God. You have to get at least half an hour earlier up than usual just to read the Word of God, to spend time to pray, do you know that you are the foundation of the family? How do you want to do that if your relationship with God is flawful? If you yourself don't have the spiritual foundation, how do you want to be the foundation of the family? And if you crack, the so whole family cracks and falls apart at some or other state. There's great responsibility on you. That's for you, not for the woman. The woman can enjoy your covering because she has less responsibility. It's a good place to be a woman, I believe. Because the Lord keeps a man accountable in the first place. Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. To who did God give the commandment? To the man. The woman was not even there yet. And God did not wait for the woman to come to share that commandment. That means God gave the full responsibility to Adam. And he was to teach his wife when she was coming. And he was to teach his children when they were going to come. You have a responsibility there. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper, comparable to him. Woman, you are a helper. And you're not the kind of helper to do everything for the man the way you want it to be. (laughs) You leave that up to the man and you help him to be the man in the family as I explained already. You lift him up to be there and you empower him to make decisions. Okay, I speak out of experience here. (laughs) (laughs) Verse 22 Okay, then the woman was come. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Again, man and woman is not equal. Man came directly from God, woman came out of man. We can read in 1 Corinthians 11 as well. Man came from, from a woman came from man, not the other way around. Therefore the man is the source for the woman. Okay? When there is something on woman, you go to the man and you keep him accountable and you ask him. Okay? Because it's his responsibility. You came out of him. Now you might say, I hear the law better than you. (laughs) That still does not give you the authority. The authority structure is the other way around. If you are a real woman of God, you will be able to submit to the man. And believe that he is a man of God. Even if he thinks different than you. That makes a father... If that structure is right, the children will recognize who is my father and who is my mother. They will not be confused. Okay, Let's go on. All right. So there was a command. Adam shared the command with Eve. Everything was fine. Okay. Now the serpent came and started to deceive the woman. So here is what the woman is uh, answering. We know the story, so I don't read it all. Uh, chapter 3, verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fr- fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, Adam was a good teacher. Okay. God told him, you may not eat of the fruit. Now the woman answers the serpent, we may not eat the fruit and we may not touch it. So Adam was saying to the woman, don't eat from that fruit. Don't even touch it. I know you. (laughs) So, there the enemy had it. Okay. There is nothing wrong to add to something to enforce the strength <laughs> of the truth, OK? <laughs> but again, I believe over time, Eve was just wondering, what is this all about? What is in that fruit that God keeps? And it just took a trigger from the enemy, and off they went. Verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant for the eye and the tree desirable to make one wise, again, how many of us are sitting here and you think you are stupid, you are not wise? That's just the lie of the devil. I want to tell you, don't look. Necessarily it's a mark of your exams that you wrote in the past. That's not what identifies you. There's nobody sitting here that is stupid. Okay? God does not make stupid things. Don't let the devil trick you in this one. So there's no need for, for this trying to get more wise actually in the wrong way. She took its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband. Okay, let's. She took fruit and she, she, she ate. So, what happened when she ate? Nothing. She ate, she chewed, she swallowed, she digested, nothing happened. Then, <laughs> <laughs> the, okay, she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes were opened. As soon as a man with authority took the fruit, things went wrong. Things were going down the drain. That's why the support, the good support of women is so important for a man to make right decisions, not to nag him. Because when he acts wrong, it affects you and it affects the whole family. And it pulls every thing down. What does it say in Exodus 34, verse 7? That the sins of the father become in effect for the children to the third and the fourth generation. The sins of the fathers, not the mothers. The father is the authority in the house and he carries the responsibility. What you do and what you decide has effect on everybody around you, not the woman. You have to discern where is my wife wrong, right, where is my wife going wrong. And you have to make godly decisions. That's why it's, you cannot live life without being close to God. You cannot afford to live a life without being close to God. You want to be a good father, you've got to be in the presence of God. How else do you want to manage? How else do you want to carry this responsibility? When we stand before the Lord, the man first have to give an account. The woman had to give account too, but first the man. Okay, let's continue. Verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And again, when God came into the garden, he knew Eve took the fruit first. Who did he call first? He didn't call Eve, where are you? I know you. what you did. <laughs> uh-uh. He called Adam to account. Okay. Me as a father, I'm going to be called to account. The way I treat my wives, the way I treat my children, the way I'm a father. Thank Jesus that his blood is over me. To <laughs> understand the responsibility, why is God so strong on these things? Because it affects the children. Everything that I do, that everything that I teach, that everything I live affects the children. Let's put it this way. You've got the glass, there is a the bottle. Both look completely different. Okay? You look at the content of both? Same content. What's in here? Is on here. We only look at the outside. If you look at the outside, we only see the glass. What I live is in my children. Fathers, we don't have a private life anymore. What you do in public and what you do in secret, that's who you are and that's what's in your children. Your life is poured out in your children. If you live a godly life, you pour a godly life into your children. If you live an ungodly life, children will wander off. This is where reality and religion separates. You cannot have a, a good appearance, okay. good behavior, but inside you are rotten. Because that rottenness comes out in your children. Okay? I want to talk a little bit about my own family. And I don't think I'm the best father at all. But I do think the Lord has given me grace in all that. My family, we have five children. Um, I came from Germany, first year being here, got married, and had a son immediately. Okay, my wife had a son when before we met already. Um, we; Another year passed. Our daughter came, and we received two more children, Mark and Llewellyn, into our family. Within the first two years, we had a family of four children. Okay? And then later, a few years later, Jonathan came on, on as well. The issue was, I had a son six years old that had no influence into his life the first six years. He struggled with identity. I received him as my son immediately. He could not receive me as father immediately. It took him years to really receive me as father. Same thing with Mark and with Llewellyn. It took them years because they did not have a father. more. They felt abandoned. They felt like the fathers were useless. They struggled with identity, major struggles in their lives. One thing I decided, I will never be ashamed of my children, regardless of what they are doing. Okay. Now that's a challenge where they have children that are struggling with identity, because all sorts of things happen when you don't have identity. I was pastor already in Babylon, second oldest son, Llewellyn, he was eight years when he came to the family. We had the opportunity, I had the opportunity f- to father him for a period of eight years until he was 16. When he was 16, he decided to run off from home. Again, he, uh, he did not receive me as his father, even though I had received him. He was a fatherless child. So he ran off, got onto the streets in Wanaheda was for a year gone. Now people were saying, why are you not going after him? Why don't you get back, get him back? I just knew, I need to have the heart of the Father in heaven here. And the prodigal son was running away. The Father did not just release him, he gave him all the money that was due to him at the point of death. He let him go freely. A mother would immediately run after and get him back. Now, what would have happened if I did that? I would have got him home by force. I would have kept him home by force. I would, would have got him through school by force. He would have hated me even more so. He would have become a rebel, and as soon as he had opened the door, he would run. And be gone forever. I felt I need to be a father to this child. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to be stand with him spiritually. If somebody would have said, you cannot be a, a pastor by having a son that is on the streets and using drugs, it would be fine with me because I was not ashamed of him. He was my son. He came back after a year For a short while, so uh, we said, okay, welcome home. But there are rules in the house. Trucks is not allowed here. You have to stop that. We're going to get you your education, everything. We're going to get you into a rehab. um, You know, if you want to. First agreed, and then he decided he's going to be off. He went to Cape Town for seven years. He was in Cape Town with gangsters. Living with drugs, doing all that gangsters do. His income was robbing people. Okay. Anne and I, we prayed for him regularly. We believed the Lord's hand is on him. My greatest fear was not that he's going to die of drugs. My greatest fear was that he's going to get killed by some drug lord sometime. I believed in him. I never threw him. I never even have a thought that he's bringing disgrace to my name. Sometimes we fathers are so concerned about our own reputation that we throw our children out. It's not about us. It's about our children. After 70, we prayed at some stage that he will go to prison, that he at least can get a sober mind to think for a moment. And just to make a long story short, he got into prison. (laughs) Hallelujah! (laughs) He had many cases against him. (laughs) And when I talked to him later, you know, year two years later, how he came back, he said when he was in that prison, he knew that this is not where he belongs. Now how does he know he doesn't belong there? there was a seed planted in his life, into his subconscious, the eight years of teaching them daily the word of God. We used to get up half past five with the children, everybody. We sit half an hour reading the word of God every day and have breakfast together. We went through the whole Bible. Every day we did a chapter with them. How did he know he doesn't belong there? Because he knew better. His subconscious started kicking in and he was reminded there is a better life there. After he came out it was the first time he called me father. That would never have happened if I forced him to come back home. It was the father of the heaven that brought him home and reconciled us. And he is my son. We have to be fathers. Don't worry about your reputation. They do stuff we don't like to see happening, And I know you all are great fathers, doing much better than me. but, uh, uh, But these were lessons to understand the heart of the Father in heaven. This is something I wouldn't learn in a book somewhere. This is just the training of the Father in heaven. Be a good father. Another example. I can't go through all my children, it would take me too <laughs> long. <laughs> but I appreciate them all. I mean, they're all awesome children and love them greatly. They're all equal. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so is Ruth. Many people think I need to have tight control over my children. There is an evil world out there and I have to protect my children. Now, I believe that in the early years, you laid the foundations in the child. And I believe that I had laid the foundation. Now, when high school, school came, I didn't want my children to go into a Christian high school. Why not? Because they have to encounter the world in order to deal with the world. And what place the places when I release them to encounter the world while I'm still there to help them to deal with the world. If I keep them away from the world all the time, they become 25 years ago, they go out there and it's going to be lost. I prepared them for the world. Now Ruth was one of those. She got into high school. Now she's a tender girl, you know. I treated her differently, by the way, fathers, girls must be treated differently than boys. Okay? <laughs> they need to be treated like girls with tenderness, with much more affection and love. Ruth and I, we used to every now and then walk up some mountain with a blanket and she carrying proudly a, a basket with some food, and we would have a, a picnic out there. Just father and daughter together. It's moments that you don't forget in a lifetime. I treated her. Jonathan completely, he was wild jumping all over the place, thinking he's Superman, <laughs> you know. You teach him how to ride bicycles, then you have to trust that it's going to be okay, you know. One time he felt so bad, he scraped his face. He came back home. and That's where the fatherhood came again. He was crying. He was in pain. He said, we need to go to the doctor. He came to the, no, daddy, hold me and, and pray for me. I don't want to go to the doctor. Just pray for me. So it was going for half an hour on. And then he was fine again. <laughs> anyway, when Ruth got into, a high sc- into the high school, we just have gone through the, through the purple book, actually, with the family. Ruth took that purple book along and she started influencing the world. She was not intimidated by the world around her. She didn't take on what the other girls were doing there. She was exposed. She saw what's happening and she made the right choices. Why? There was a foundation laid. Okay. When she was 18 years old, she went to Germany. I rele- we released her out there in the world, having no influence on her life anymore. How many of you are sitting here and can say, I'm going to release my 18-year-old girl into the world and have peace? (laughs) There was peace in our hearts because we knew she is strong. In the Lord, she has a foundation. And the father is the one that lays the foundations. She was secure because she had a father. Why are girls going off, sleeping around? Because they don't have a secure father. They're looking more for a father than actually for a husband. They want security. And she was out there nothing ever, and I didn't even come to the mind that something would go wrong. When she had the wedding the other week, I mean, she, she was standing there confident and with purity. It was just beautiful to see my daughter out there. And I had the confidence she actually chose the right guy as well. Because I knew I can trust her 100% in Everything. Young fathers, be father to your children. Don't get too busy with your work. Don't be too tied up with all sorts of things, thinking that making the money, that's all what it is about. Yes, you have to make money. Yes, you have to sustain your family. But if that takes over, if the companies run your life, it's time for a change. Because a family... Is more important. You're going to have so much heartache if you don't give attention to your children, to your family, in the years to come. No money can make up for that. Before I got married, still way back in Germany, uh, about five years before I came to Africa, the Lord told me, all your children will serve the Lord. Now I wondered, what is this word? Of course my children will serve the so, so Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but it re- I was reminded in those difficult times when my children were going off, I a promise the Lord said, All my children will serve the so Lord. That is the Lord's doing. You don't have control over everything of your children's lives. You just don't. You have to trust the Lord. You are the father of faith in your family. And first and foremost, you have to exercise faith for yourself. Trusting the children is not always an easy thing. It's a choice often. We say, um, um, to be trusted, you have to prove yourself. Sometimes we have to trust without any proof. When things go wrong, we correct and we trust again. Jesus was saying, in your hands, Father, I trust my spirit. That means he completely trusted him in the face of death with all the sins of the world. He trusted the Father. And the Father, in contrary, he was entrusting the kingdom into the hand of Jesus. It's a trust relationship. And that's what we want to have in our family, a trust relationship between Father and and sons, and daughters, and husband, and wife. Without trust, we are on slippery ground. We're not going to succeed it's the way we want to succeed. Amen? Amen. I just want to encourage young people. Again, rise up to be a man. Know that there is a father in you already. Okay. Become the man. Take up responsibility. Stand up. Change your life. Okay. Be a man, because that's what you are called for. Okay. Young women are looking for men. They are not looking for whims that are playing computer games <laughs> seven days a week. <laughs> <laughs> Make life happen. Be good in what you are doing. Put everything into your studies. Be a success that the wife that you will get one day can be proud of you. Amen. I want to stop here. (laughs) Let's all stand up and let's pray to the Lord, because this is really a very important topic. I think I I want us, just let's hold again, once again, and let's pray for all, for our family. Everybody has a family. Let's pray for our fathers in the family. Just a moment, for two minutes, just, just pray for your family. Thank you, Father. Father, I just want to thank you for every father that you have placed into the families, Lord Jesus. Father, they are the right men for the right family. I pray, Father, for your grace on each one of them. Father, your grace to be godly men. Father, if they have missed it, to come back to you and become the godly men, Lord Jesus. Pray, Father, that we have strong and secure families through strong and secure fathers. Pray, Father, that you bless them, Lord. Watch over them, Lord. Keep them from the evil one. Pray for the wives to be a support to their husbands and make family work together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just want to read something. I left part of the message out, but I want to read something that sums up basically what I still wanted to share. And this is a A message that I received this morning from my son, Mark. Okay, you're right there. An example, a role model, a father that never gives up. Thank you, Dad, for not just being a dad, but for being a father, one that leads with God and one that sees us kids with purpose. Thank you for speaking purpose and destiny for me, and thank you for modeling a true father heart. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Love you. This basically sums up some of the points I wanted to bring in. Fathers are there for destiny, for direction, a support, a help in all the steps of life. Amen. Thank you, Mark, for that message. I was so blessed. Chris, you want to close or should I? Okay. okay. All right. We prayed already. So enjoy this special day. Bless the fathers in the house. Have a good time together. And have a blessed week. Amen. Amen.